following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. One other thing in the bulletin is our invitation to our week of prayer and feasting. How many of you are in for that? Well, we really, I really felt like as we were um, pursuing this time, I felt like the Lord says, I want you not to focus on what you're not going to have and to focus instead on what I'm going to give you and to focus on what I want to, to feed you and to come to the table hungry with an expectation and um, there's a, a guide, if, if fasting is a new concept to you, it's very simple. This is not a theological teaching on fasting. It just gives some ideas about how we view fasting, what we, we feel like the Bible talks about as fasting being an important part of our relationship with God, an important um, aspect of how we um, how we can come to him and let him fill us, an important part of how we can grow in being able to be fed and led by the Spirit. And so it talks about some different ways that you can fast. What I would say is ask the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit, what is it that you want me to feast on during this week? And then whatever it is that you need to not eat, so that you can eat that in whatever way that is, then I would say that's what you should fast. So asking the Lord, what is it that you want to give me in this time? What is it that I haven't been able to fully partake of that you want to give me? Um, so there's a, these are out there if you want more information about that. And then these are just some opportunities. We, we believe that probably throughout the year, we are fasting at various times individually. That's just a, a normal part of the Christian life. But we are taking this week to fast together. And so there's a few ways that we can participate in that together. Um, one of the ways is we are going to have a midday um, time of prayer and reflection each day for um, the seven days starting tomorrow through the 26th. Well, probably the 25th because we'll be here on the 26th. Um, at noon... There will, you can go online, and I'm just going to lead, and hopefully I have some others that are going to help me lead, just a short time of prayer and reflection. Um, so there is a QR code there. Also, you can just go to our YouTube channel, the Living Waters YouTube channel. We are not putting it on Facebook in case that's what you're fasting from. Um, we just thought that was counterproductive. Um, so, so there's a, a link there, and if you've never done something like that, like gone online for something like that, that will make two of us. I've never led something like that online, so pray for me. Um, but, but it's just an opportunity to connect with. I feel like there's some things that the Lord, I feel like we're going to sit down each day at midday and feast on something, that it's an opportunity for us to sit down for lunch together. How many of you are aware of our need to surround all meetings with food? I don't know what happened. I don't know why that is. 
that we can't invite someone to sit down and be together without saying, we'll eat something, or we'll drink coffee. That's the, you know, let's have coffee. I would encourage you, even if you don't come on the, to this midday online gathering, I would encourage you throughout the week to get together with another, a, a one another of yours that you know is also gonna be observing fasting in some way this week, and invite them to feast on Jesus together. Wouldn't that be cool? What if we just sat down across the table and we just shared what Jesus is showing us or we brought a word or we invite them instead of for coffee or donuts or lunch or whatever, invite one another to sit across the table and just feast on him and on his word and on his testimony and what he's showing you, okay? Um, there's some other things on there. We, uh, there's the monthly prayer and worship night. That's every night, every night, every night. That'd be great. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> That's every month, the fourth or the last or the fourth? Saturday. The last Saturday of every month. That's fourth, the fourth Saturday of every month. Um, you're going to edit this for the, no, okay. Um, the fourth Saturday of the month, there's a time of worship and prayer at the Peter's house. It just happens to fall in our week of prayer and fasting conveniently, so that's awesome. And then we are also planning to have a time of worship um, on Sunday night, a time of worship and reflection just to close out our week of prayer and feasting. And it'll be an opportunity. Um, we will have a time to share a little bit if there, you don't have to share, but there'll be an opportunity to share if there's things that the Lord's done through this time that you want to share. But I feel like it's just gonna be like one big dessert on the, on the end of our week of prayer and feasting. All right? I think, I think we're gonna call it that all the time. We might, no, we won't do anything all the time. Let's just be happy with it for right now. Um, anyway, so those things are coming, sorry. Uh, those things are coming up. Pick up one of these because it'll show you ways that you can connect with that this week. All right. Uh, part of the timing of this, of our time of prayer and fasting, is to coincide really with what we felt like the Lord was speaking about an invitation to wholeheartedness. And that is what we've just started focusing on, Pastor Bob, uh, preached a word last week. It was very good. I would encourage you, if you didn't hear that word, you should definitely uh, go find it because I think it's an excellent balance to what I'm gonna talk about today. And I think, I think it's a good foundation. It's a good way to look at wholeheartedness. And one of the main things that I took out of that was that sometimes when we start talking about wholeheartedness, we begin to compare what wholeheartedness for me looks like versus what wholeheartedness for you looks like. And we begin to assign a particular, this is what wholeheartedness looks like, and we strive towards this certain perception of what that is. And um, I think he did an excellent job of really allowing us to step into this place of pursuing wholeheartedness with the Lord from a place of rest. Pursuing wholeheartedness with the Lord from a place of knowing that it's really found in knowing his wholeheartedness towards me. 
And so as, as there's this sense of just knowing I can be wholehearted, the, I can be more wholehearted the more I know his wholeheartedness towards me, his total love, his total acceptance, his devotion to me then allows me to have devotion to him. And so I'd encourage you to listen to that. If you haven't, it'd be an excellent way even to start out your week um, tomorrow as we go into this time of prayer and fasting. But what I want us to, to know is that I really believe wholeheartedness is a destination that, is, that Jesus put out there for the church and for believers. It is, it is a destination that we are driving towards as believers. That this, is, this was the call that, that Jesus both displayed, like if we're looking during this time of Lent, if you're looking at the way that Jesus lived his life and the way that he walked, his death was not the only wholehearted thing about him. He lived wholeheartedly in his obedience to the Father, in his understanding of the Father's love for him. And so if you are, are, if you are in this season leading up to Resurrection Sunday, if you're looking at the life of Jesus, I'd encourage you, look at what wholeheartedness looked like for Jesus as he walked that out. But this is the destination that God has in mind for us. And I think there's times when we, we talk about this, this thing of awakening. We believe that the Lord is, is awakening, bringing awakening to the earth. Sometimes we call it revival. But I feel like right now, I'm calling it awakening, I feel like there's an awakening that he's doing. And that really what, it, what awakening is, is it's awakening this wholeheartedness in us. This desire to fully, fully um, pursue him. What is awakening? And we can talk about that. What does awakening look like? What does revival look like? It looks like wholeheartedness. That's, that's the destination. It has nothing to do with how many meetings there are and how many you know, speakers and how, what's happening in the aisles or what's, it's wholeheartedness, whatever that looks like for that season. And so one of the things the Lord's been speaking to me um, that I was encouraged in, which is another way of saying convicted of, and then also encouraged, um, you know, we were in a, in a uh, elder team meeting and I was talking about this whole thing of revival, and I was saying, you know, I just feel like, you know, I've already been revived. Like, I don't, I don't feel like I really need revival. Don't be scared. I don't feel like I really need revival. I've, I've already been revived. I, I know how to go to God for repentance. I know how to, and I'm talking about how, you know, I think part of our job is, you know, we need to bring revival to people who haven't had it yet. And here I am in a leaders meeting saying this. And I felt like the Lord dealt with me after that. And he said, really? Is this what revived life looks like? <laughs> no. I hope not. And he, he began to stir in, in me a hunger. You know what? There's a lot of me that is awake. There is a lot of me that has been awakened. But there is more of me to be awakened. 
There is more of me that he wants to stir in me. I, I don't know if the elders went home and prayed really hard for me or, or if the Holy Spirit just you know, decided he needed to deal with that. But there was a conviction of me that made me realize how dead I am. Even though I do know how to repent, I do have, I have times where in, with the Lord daily where I can feel his spirit. Yeah, but there's more. There's more awakening. And even in that awakening, I am not fully wholehearted. Awaken us, God, to the next level of wholeheartedness. It's exactly what Rochelle was talking about, this transactional aspect where, okay, and here's more that I'm going to give to him. So there's this wholeheartedness that he's calling, to us, or calling us to. Mark 12, 28 says, and you shall love the Lord your God. This is the greatest commandment when they asked Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so then I began, as the Lord began to speak to me about the parts of me that all is not activated in, then I began to pray, awaken me in those parts. Awaken me. I began to pray the prayer of Psalm 86, 11, and this is what we're gonna talk about today with any luck at all. The prayer that says, teach me your ways, O Lord, that I would walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Give me an undivided heart, some, some versions say. Give me a singleness of heart. Make sure that my heart is completely unified, that there is no division of where my heart is. That there's not an alive part and a dead part. <laughs> Give me an undivided heart. This is the prayer. Do you know that this is not Jesus saying, hey, give me an undivided heart. Give me your heart undivided. It's me knowing I, I can't do that without you. Give me an undivided heart. That's what we're praying. That's why this morning as the Holy Spirit was moving in our, and he's stirring desire in us. It's, it's the work of the Spirit that gives us the undivided heart. It's not the work of Renee. It's not the work of what can I do to be less divided. But the destination is this place of wholeheartedness, this place of being undivided. Another paraphrase says, put me together one heart and one mind, and then undivided I'll worship in joyful fear. That's the message paraphrase. Put me together, God. Put me together, Another, another uh, paraphrase, put me together, Lord, because right now my life is scattered in a thousand directions. <laughs> Have you felt that way? This is the destination, a life fully committed to God, loving him with everything I am, finding satisfaction in him alone. That's an undivided heart. A life fully committed to God, Loving him with everything I am, finding satisfaction with him alone. That's the destination. And the reason that this is important, the reason that he calls us to that is because when my inner structure is, is divided, it's not safe. <laughs> when my inner structure lacks integrity, the structure of this building 
We hope nowhere inside the walls is divided. There's an inner structure on the inside of us that needs to be undivided to withstand what's going on around us. The integrity of the structure. Do you know that integrity comes, this is so not important, integrity comes from the word integer. I will never forget what an integer is now. An integer is a whole number, not a fraction. Isn't that interesting? Now I know what an integer is. All you math people are like, duh. (laughs) There's an integrity, an unfractured part, not a fraction, that that he's building in us this internal structure. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This is why it matters that we have an undivided heart because there's a stability required. With living half-hearted, I had a, a revelation in a time of worship not too long ago where I went, it is exhausting to live half-hearted. It is exhausting. It's exhausting to live thinking I have all these different options. It's exhausting to live and constantly try to make a choice. Am I gonna choose him or not? Am I gonna obey or not? It's exhausting. There is such a rest in wholeheartedness. This is why wholeheartedness is not striving. This is, wholeheartedness is rest. It's exhausting to live half-hearted. It's dangerous to live half-hearted. Do you know what they call it when only half your heart is working? Heart failure. (laughs) It's exhausting. And the Lord's saying, I'm inviting you into the rest of wholeheartedness. Here's what we need to know. This destination, a life fully committed to God, loving him with everything I am and finding satisfaction in him alone. This is exactly what the Lord often pours out in historical awakenings. What we see historically is we see outside or inside the church, there is this lukewarm kind of half-hearted in pursuit and connection to God. Historically, we see this. And outside the church, there's an extreme disinterest and even disdain for God. And when God comes and he brings in an awakening, he blows on those cold, lukewarm hearts into white hot flame. And he begins to put in even those who are disinterested and disdained God a a desire for God. They become awakened to their need. And they become wholly committed to him above all else. This is what the Lord is doing on the earth in this day. This is what the Lord is doing, I believe, in the body of Christ. He is pouring out wholeheartedness. This is what we're asking when we say, God, we want you to come and awaken us this morning. This is what we're asking him to do. Give us undivided hearts. When we start talking about being wholehearted, it can really feel overwhelming because, number one, it seems like a lot of work. How many of you go 
wholeheartedness, wow, that seems like a lot of work. That seems intense. None of you. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it does. The other part of it is we, it, it feels really deflating because we can feel like I'm just not there. I just don't have the passion for that. I can hear the Lord calling me into wholeheartedness. I can even tell you that me going, you know, I don't really think I need to be revived is really about me going, I just don't have the passion for that. I just don't have the desire for that. I feel pretty good. You know, Jesus and I, we're good. We talk. And so sometimes it can feel really overwhelming when we talk about this radical commitment to God, this radical abandonment where every area of our life is surrendered to him. And if we're honest, we can feel like, I'm just not there. I'm not motivated to get there. Can you relate to that? Am I the only one? And this is where we get to step back and make that prayer, give me an undivided heart, God. Because this is what's true. That destination that God has in mind, that commandment that he's given to love the Lord with all, it's already in you. The desire for that is already in you. That's already part of who you are. You don't have to go and find that somewhere. You don't have to go and sit in worship for five hours and hope that it'll just stir something in you that you will desire God in that way and want that wholeheartedness. You don't have to go get it. It's already in you. When you were born again, you were born with that passion in your heart, the desire to give yourself fully to Jesus. This is part of the born again experience. This is part of the work of the Spirit that comes in in that time of of our first yes to God. There is something that comes into us that longs to give everything to him. It's already in there. It's already part of who you are. You don't have to go find it. You don't have to convince yourself. It's there. We are so drawn to this. Even those who are unbelievers are drawn to this concept of giving sacrificially everything for a cause bigger than ourselves. We're drawn to this. It's in our nature to want to give everything. This is why we love military movies where they go back for the one guy because it touches on us this thing of sacrifice to give everything for a cause. This is why we see such passion in the world (laughs) for things that may not be the cause of Christ, but there's this desire to be connected to something bigger than themselves. They just don't know that that desire is really to be connected to the cause and the purpose of God. But for you as a believer, that is in you. You're already drawn to this. Our prayer is, give me an undivided heart, and the reality is he did. He did give us an undivided heart. In Ezekiel, it talks about that, um, well, let's look at verse 19. He says, I will give them one heart, or I will give them a united heart. 
Nope. Let's find it. In Ezekiel, are you searching for me? Because that's the wrong one. 26? Okay, let me look. I mean, not that I don't believe that. I, will, I got it, I got it. But there's another verse where he says, I will give them one heart. That's the one I'm looking for. He says, not only will he give them, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. He's, he's saying this with this transaction that happens at salvation, I gave you a heart that walks in my way. I gave you a heart that is undivided, fully devoted to me. He gave that to us. In Philippians 2.13, I think Pastor Bob talked about it last week, that God is working in you to give you the desire and the ability to do what pleases God. Yes. So we can be confident, even when we go, I don't feel like I have this passion this desire for this wholeheartedness, it's in you. It's in you. You have a desire to give all, but it's, there's an awakening coming of that desire. This is what awakening is. It's the breathing on that thing that's already there. I heard it put this way, your position may be different than your practice. It means you have a heart that is fully wanting to give all to Jesus. That's your position. That is who you are. Now, your practice may not line up with that right now. But that's what he's drawing us into. Where our practice, our way of walking would line up with what is truly on the inside of us. Let's look at Mark I hope, because I haven't been batting a thousand this morning. Eleven fourteen. If you're taking notes, eleven fourteen through twenty one talks about that. I will give them a united heart. I will give them an undivided heart. So, Ezekiel eleven fourteen through twenty one. I'm just believing her because I trust her. <laughs> we can be confident that he has already answered that prayer when we say, give me an undivided heart. He has. Let's read this uh, part of this parable in Mark. This is somewhat familiar, I'm sure. A parable of the sower and the soils. And it talks about, all throughout, it talks about this, the seed, the word that is sown in different places. And what I want to focus on is um, the seed that fell among the thorns. So in chapter 4, verse 7, other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. 
And then Jesus goes on to give the explanation in verse 18 of that same chapter about the thorns. He gives the explanation for all the different seeds. But in verse 18, he says, And others are the ones on whom the seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. There is a reality that that seed has been sown in you, the seed of desire. The seed even, uh, Jesus said, you know, whoever does my words, we've, we've had the words sown in us, but I feel like what he's dealing with in this time is the things that have choked it out. The things that have covered the seed, the things that have made it so that the the seed has not been fruitful to produce the practice of wholeheartedness, even though the seed of wholeheartedness is there. And that's what we get to give to him during this week, that he is uncovering the seed of desire. He's uncovering the power of his word in our lives. And one of the ways he's doing that is he's putting his finger on those things that have choked out the seed, the worries of the world. There's been a ton of them in this season, more than usual, more than, more than our normal share of worries of the world. And not only that, In some ways, those same worries have always been there, but we're just more aware of all the worries of the world now because we have access to all the worries of the world. You know, a lot of that was there before. But now we get all kinds of little 30-second sound bites to remind us of all the worries of the world. The other thing is the deceitfulness of riches. This is not just money, but this is the belief that there is anything else out there that can satisfy me. That there's anything else out there that will satisfy the longing of my heart. Where we can even come into a salvation experience with Jesus and we we can have that seed planted of wanting to give all to him. And then we begin to go, I think maybe this will satisfy me. Do you know one of those things, I believe, is religion. We begin to connect to a system that we go, I will be satisfied if I do this, if I make my way in this way. That's one of the thorns that the seed can get sown in. Do not... Come into a week of prayer and fasting from a religious standpoint. (laughs) Come into it from a standpoint of knowing he has a feast he wants to give you. It's an invitation. It's not a requirement. But it may help choke out some of the thorns if you stop feeding them. So the seed gets choked out by that, by this this thought that anything else will satisfy. 
It gets choked out by the desire for other things. When we begin to say, this is not satisfying me, so I'm going to look to this instead. Jesus uh, talked in Luke about calling people to a banquet. Do you remember that story where he said a man put on a banquet and he had this beautiful spread and he invited all these different people, but they were too busy. One had just acquired some new land and one had this thing to do and they were too busy to come. And so then he sent the servants out into the highways and the byways to invite the hungry and the destitute the ones that actually were hungry and had, had need to come to the table. And, and basically, he, he's saying, don't, don't refuse to come to the banquet. Another thing that we sometimes do is we might go, I know, I know you laid a table for me. I will come to the banquet and we come and we sit down and he begins to serve us and we go, oh, no, no, I'm good. I ate before I came. How many of you have ever served a meal and people said, oh, we already ate? How does that feel? How many of you know that what they ate was probably chips from the convenience store on their way? That's irritating because you laid out this beautiful spread. Jesus has a banquet for us. He has a feast for us. But we tend to eat before we come. We tend to fill up on stuff. But this week, it's an invitation not to. This week is an invitation to recognize that he's laid out a table and we want to feast on everything that he's laid out for us. I believe that God is making us a people who realize that there is nothing in this world that can satisfy that God alone can satisfy the longing in our spirit. God alone can satisfy the longing even that we have. That we have, a, again, it's in us, a desire for Jesus to be made known, for Jesus to be made relevant. But we need to recognize even that only comes through us recognizing that God alone can satisfy. Christian activity cannot satisfy but our stepping into that place of knowing that he's that place of satisfaction allows us to step into his plans and his purpose. When Ken opened today, he talked about the one thing I desire. He's, he is helping us come into that place where we can say, the one thing I desire is you. He's inviting us into that. The lie that I believe the world believes, <clears throat> the lie that's out there is that something other than God can, 
satisfy the longing in our hearts. That lie was the very birth of sin. That there is something other than what God has given me that will satisfy the longing in my heart. But the lie that we believe in the church is that something, that the longing, that longing in our heart that we know that we have, that thirst that we feel, we believe that that can be satisfied by living a half-hearted life. We believe that that can be satisfied by just getting enough of him that then we can go on and eat chips at the convenience store. But he's drawing us into a place where we recognize I can't be satisfied with half-hearted living. I can't, it can't just be a part of all the other things that I'm doing, that it's time to be all in. <laughs> because I'm not satisfied. It's exhausting to live half-heartedly. It's time to be all in. He's, he is inviting us to be all in. So, as you feast this week, I would encourage you to, yes, recognize I'm not able to eat what he wants to give me because I'm eating this, whatever that is. But to focus on what he wants to give you and to expect to both be hungry and to be satisfied with him. Let him begin to show you. I, I, there'll be a little more hunger on the front end of that. Because it takes time to learn to eat at his table. It takes time to even develop our taste <laughs> for his table. But he has laid something out for us that we get to step into today. He has reminded us that we're already well on the way to this destination of wholeheartedness, of having an undivided heart that he's already put that within us. Next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about the directions. <laughs> we, can't, we can't give directions unless we know what the destination is, right? In fact, nobody gives directions anymore. <laughs> you just give them the destination, and they get the directions. But there is a, there is a place next week we'll just talk about how do I aim towards that destination? What are some of the things that, that I, and really it starts with what Pastor Bob talked about. It starts and actually ends and is completed by abiding in his love. That's a big part of it. That'll be a short sermon. But there's also an aspect of the renewing of our minds that I'm gonna talk about next week. That we begin to have our minds renewed and that helps us to not be double-minded. That helps us to walk in wholeheartedness. So we will look into that next week more. In the meantime, Lord, we thank you. Let's stand. It seems like a wholehearted thing to do. <laughs> we thank you, Lord, 
that the seed of wholeheartedness is already in us, that you have already replaced our heart with an undivided heart, that you have given that to us. We thank you, Lord, that you are making us aware of the places that the thorns have choked out the life of that seed, the fruitfulness of that seed. Lord, we thank you for the places that we are awake and we thank you for the places you're showing us we're still asleep and need to be awakened. We thank you for the work of your spirit doing what we can't do, the work of your spirit doing what we can't convince ourselves of. We just continue to yield to that. Would you blow on the embers of our hearts, those places that are, that are not fully alive and on fire for you? And Lord, we especially thank you that you're inviting us to your table this week. You're inviting us to a feast and we purpose not to eat before we come. We purpose to come hungry. We purpose to taste and see of your goodness. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.